Nico Hülkenberg belongs in Formula One, but he's had to fight for it. The young star who took a sensational pole position in his debut season back in 2010 seemed destined for a long career fighting for wins. In recent years, he's had to make do with super sub appearances, standing in for unavailable drivers. So when Haas offered him a permanent race seat for 2023, Nico had no second thoughts. The F1 job, the adrenaline, the rush being on the grid, driving to the grid, doing the formation lap, the start, the, you know, the wheel-to-wheel -wheel battles, that is something you, you don't find you know, outside of F1 in, in the normal world. F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport, so um, that's still you know, very, very attractive. And the speed you know, and, and the ability to, to do the job, I had no doubt whatsoever. I haven't aged enough yet. This year marks the Hulk's 10th full season in Formula One. So he's one of the most experienced drivers on the grid. But he didn't take that for granted when persuading Haas team principal Gunter Steiner to sign him up. I knew what was on the line and this was my only shot, my, my only opportunity. So I was really invested, you know, pushing him, showing that I'm hungry, that I really want to come back, sending him information, sending him presentations about the past and what I could do, uh, what, what I have done. So yeah, I was on the, on the throttle pedal to, to convince them. Hello and welcome everyone to F1 Beyond the Grid with me, Tom Clarkson. June 2019 was the last time Nico Hülkenberg spoke to us on this podcast. At the time, he was halfway through what turned out to be his joint worst season in Formula One and his last for a while. In the three years that followed, Nico married his girlfriend, Egel, and became a father to Noemi Sky. He tells me how family life and time away from Formula One has changed his perspective of the sport. But while his outlook may be different, his competitiveness and confidence have both grown stronger. Hence why Haas have rewarded Nico with the chance to quench his thirst for the thrill of Formula One this season and again in 2024. I ask him if Gunter Steiner is just like the TV persona that fans have fallen in love with in recent years, and what his relationship with teammate Kevin Magnussen is like after the pair's iconic spat at the Hungarian Grand Prix in 2017. The Hulk also talks about his impressive qualifying pace, why there's currently a lack of fellow German drivers in Formula One, how his physical fitness today compares to his younger self, what his future looks like, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Nico, fantastic to have you on the show again. A lot's changed since you were last on in 2019 as well. New team, you've got married, you've had a daughter. You've been busy. All uh, true facts, yeah. It's been uh, interesting a couple of years from the end of 2019 uh, until now. A lot has happened, a lot has changed. Good times and now obviously back on the grid, which is also very good times. You look very happy and relaxed, if I can say that. Thank you. Yes, I also feel that way. I'm having a good time in, in the comeback and uh, just enjoying myself, you know, obviously do what I can. I think as a whole, as a team, we're not uh, super happy with, with how the season has gone so far. We wanted more, you know, as, as everybody always wants. But um, obviously, you know, we have to, to work with what we have right now and the package is clearly not competitive enough. But, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to make the most of it. I'm enjoying the ride, the work with the team, traveling, 
and everything that goes with it. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling good and, and confident. I want to talk to you about the team, but I'm interested you say you're enjoying the travel because I thought one of the, the downsides when you're a dad and you're married is, is the travel. Or do you take them with you? <laughs> no, no. They, I mean, sometimes they, they will come to, or they have been to some races and they will come to a few more later in the season. No, but I like the travel. And actually also I enjoy the the planning stuff with the travel that's like i'm a little geek you know that's one of my hidden things and uh, you know to plan the travel as efficiently as as possible you know to source the right flights the connections this and that to make plans you know how have you got the mental capacity to think about stuff like that well f1 drivers they have a lot of time in their free time <laughs> <laughs> are you one of these people that likes to arrive at an airport last thing Yes, yeah, definitely. Minimum time spent at the airport is always, it's always a little challenge almost, you know, how much can I get away with? How late can I leave home and still make right, the flight? Right, I'm going I'm to give you an example. You have a 10 a.m. flight from Nice. What time do you leave your apartment in Monaco? So let's say hand luggage only, okay, because when you check in, obviously that's, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Depends then also if I drive, take my car myself, or if, you know, if I have a driver, if I'm gone for longer. But usually I like to drive myself, park the car, and I don't like always sitting around in cars, being driven around. But I would leave, I'll give you probably 10 to 9. <laughs> 10 <laughs> have to you nine ever missed one. a flight on that schedule? You <laughs> must have done. <laughs> I probably did, but it was probably intentional. I didn't want to be on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gosh we're building a picture but can we talk about Haas you came back to Formula One with this team after three years away and already you have re-signed with them for 2024 what is it about this outfit and and these people that gives you so much confidence I, like I said earlier I think you know I, I'm enjoying myself I enjoy the challenge being back in, in Formula One racing working with the team everything really that comes with it even you know the the press side, the interview side, there was, you know, times in F1 where I really didn't enjoy it, you know, and quite the opposite, you know, that was a major downside for me, but that's also kind of changed. And I guess it just comes down to everything that happened as well on my, you know, my private side, the three years, the disconnection from Formula One, you know, took the focus away from F1 and from racing for about two years, just discovered normal life, um, was able to reflect a lot about my career, about, you know, things that had happened in the previous years and then kind of, yeah, reset, refocus. Also in the meantime, build a family, got married, have a young daughter now, which uh, almost turns two. And all these things, I don't know, just put me in a, in a happy, in a good place. It all feels very, you know, stable and balanced. And basically I live for now for the family and, and for everyone, you know, these are my two, my two main focuses and where all my time and energy goes. Did your time out change your perspective of Formula One? Yes, it did. It did. And, you know, it gave proper time to, yeah, think about things and digest everything because season after season, even though, you know, you say the winter break is about two months, it, it happens quickly. You never really have time to, you know, step aside properly and, and digest it all. So um, I think that time away was really good and valuable for me. Uh, and in a way also needed because at the end of 19 uh, yeah I, f I felt like somehow things weren't so good and, and not heading in the right direction so uh, definitely yeah in hindsight looking back at it it was a very productive and refreshing break and perspective as well like you hear often drivers say when you see the sport then from your couch you know from the outside what happens what goes on 
and you think like actually this you know it's pretty cool what we do there and pretty special pretty privileged brings back also i think the appreciation more again and uh yeah i feel more that i enjoy it more and that i also embrace it more enjoy it more do you think that time away has made you appreciate all aspects of the sport both sides of the fence if you like you know us chatting now do you see it as an opportunity to put your point of view across whereas maybe in the past you might have thought i can't believe i've got to sit down with tom for an hour i don't know although you had we had a great chat when you were last on i might add but. well sitting here now is really forced into it i have to admit but <laughs> i still it's nothing to do with you i like you very much still but no, no i'm joking um yeah like i said earlier i think everything is is just uh, more relaxed now and uh yeah just it's obviously when you are a Formula One driver, there's you know many things that come with that. It's not just the driving. The driving is the final, and I call it the end product, what people see on television. But you know, there's so much else that goes with it and goes into it before and after and between Grand Prix. Obviously, if you're not really an insider, you, you don't know, you don't see that, but I enjoy that side uh, as well a lot now. Hulk, do you know who I feel I'm talking to right now? I've had exactly the same conversation with Fernando Alonso. I feel that his time away from Formula One, he drew the same conclusions about the sport that you did. And he's come back and determined to enjoy every, every second. And I feel that's what you're telling me. Sounds like, uh, yeah, there's big parallels and a lot of similarities. I think that's the way it is, though, because, you know, F1, I mean, I had about 10 years. He had even a lot more be before his break. But it's very um, consuming, you know, it, it really takes you and... I mean, you have good days, you have bad days, the bad days or bad weekends, they really, you know, they come at you. It takes a while to digest because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we care what happens. We're very passionate about this. We, we give everything into this. So, um, yeah, it, it is sometimes tiring, draining. And I think then when you, when you step away, it, it gives you this, this opportunity to reflect, digest, but then refresh and, and refocus. Do you think you're a better racing driver now than you were? I don't want to say that. I don't think so because, you know, all your career you try hard and, and you, you always, you know, want to do your best and, you know, that's what you what you aim for. But obviously, when time goes on with experience, you might become a better race driver. You're always learning. You know, things change all the time, so you kind of have to keep on learning. It's a very dynamic sport. So, um, yeah, I think that's the natural progress that happens, but I think I'm not necessarily a better driver now than a couple of years ago or before my break. And how different are these new spec cars to drive to the ones you had in 19? Yeah, they're, they're different and they're not different. I mean, at the end of the, same, at the, end of the day, you know, the, the physics and, and the law of, of driving doesn't really change. It's still the same, you know, car, four wheels, you go as fast as you can through a corner. But obviously, I feel there's more downforce now, but more weight compared to, let's say, back in the day. So maybe the dynamic has changed a bit, but it's still kind of you know the the same the same sport, the same animal. These cars, they are real aero beasts and monsters, I call them, because they these ground effect cars they produce so much load, especially in high speed corners. It's really mind blowing and astonishing, and it's pretty damn hard on the neck. I can tell you that. But yeah, the weight, almost 200 kilo more, it's um, is also a, a massive impact, you know. Right, back to the team. How different is Gunter to any team principal you've had before? 
Well, you know, they're they're all different characters. You know, it's everyone I feel is different. But I've had other, you know, team principals who were characters too, and everyone has its own kind of, you know, style, his own way, his own character. But I got on with all of them pretty much. You know, I adapt. I'm a straight guy. You know, I like direct, open, and honest communication, and I feel, you know, that's what Gunther values, and he's very much alike. So we get on very well and have a very good um, collaboration so far. Is the Gunther that we see on Netflix the same Gunther that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? I don't know. Keep, Kevin also keeps saying I haven't discovered and seen the real Gunther yet. So this year, it seems he's been very chilled. He hasn't had any outbreaks. <laughs> he's just been a, a different version than, than the one you might know from Netflix. But to be honest, for me, it's been, yeah, it's been nice and, and a pleasure and yeah, very good working uh, with him and alongside him. Now, he's told me that he wanted you to re-sign with the team as early as the Australian Grand Prix race three when he finished seventh. Is that when the negotiations started or were you in your mind even thinking earlier than that? No, and, and uh, you know, truth is that there, there wasn't really a negotiation going on because the contract was designed so that, you know, it was a kind of a two-year thing, a plan anyways, and then there was, you know, a, an option, a trigger that uh, kind of triggered. So we go in, into the second year. So that was all, you know, pre, pre-designed and um, decided way, way uh, before anytime soon. He definitely admired your tenacity last year. Another word that I can't... Uh, he just admired the fact that you were always on the phone. Yeah, that's true. I was, I was pushing. I knew what was you know, on the line and this was my only like, shot, my, my only opportunity and straw, if, if you like to call it that. So I was really invested, you know, pushing him, you know, showing that I'm hungry, that I really want to come back, sending him information, sending him presentations about the past you know, and, and what I could do, uh, what, what I have done. So, yeah, I was on the, on the throttle pedal to, to convince them. Did you have any doubts in your mind as to whether you could still do it after such a long break? No, not one. I, I knew it might take some time, you know, to groove back into the racing rhythm, you know, and to, to be absolutely smooth and, and perfect in a Grand Prix. But about the speed, you know, and, and the ability to, to do the job, uh, I had no doubt whatsoever. Obviously, I've done that job quite some time, you know, I knew what's coming my way, you know, what I need to do, what is expected. On top of that, I obviously had all the Corona races. All the Corona races, four? Or yeah, four races, but still they gave me reassurance, you know, that I, you know, I know how things changed and that I can still do it. And uh, like I said earlier, the, the laws and the physics didn't change and uh, I haven't aged enough yet. <laughs> Was it those two races for Aston at the start of last year that convinced you? I mean, you were out-qualified no, 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 strong no. in one of them. Actually, not at all. It wasn't the races that convinced me. It was more the feeling after that, I would say, that you know, grew within me and the desire to, to be back and, and to do it again, to compete, to work. I mean, the, the thrill, you know, the F1 job, the adrenaline, the rush being on the grid, driving to the grid, doing the formation lap, the start, the, the, you know, the wheel-to-wheel battles. That is something... You, you don't find, you know, outside of F1 in, in the normal world. Maybe in other car- racing series, for sure, there is that. But F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. So um, that's still, you know, very, very attractive and, and very, uh, yeah, catchy. I mean, Hulk, the reason I'm asking you that question is that Michael Schumacher used to ask Sean Todd for one test day at the start of every year just to 
get himself back in the swing of it, remind himself that he could still do it. And I'm quoting Michael when I say that. So if he's having to do it, it just makes me think, okay, where, where's everyone else in this puzzle? I think that, that's obviously track time and those races gave me that reassurance, you know, that I, I was competitive with very little practice. And I think that's a general thing, uh, syndrome that race drivers often have, you know, they have the self-doubt and they, they, you know, we, we need to do it again to feel, okay, I still got it. We, we want to, you know, prove it to ourselves that, uh, that we, we still um, have what it takes. And has there been any kickback at home in Germany, the fact that you've replaced Mick Schumacher? No, I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of. Were you wary of that? Yeah, of course I was wary of that. You know, it, Mick was, was uh, racing for Haas last year. But, you know, it's, he's a German, but he's one of 20. You know, if he was a Mexican or whatever nationality, you know, it wouldn't have made any difference to me, to be honest. For me, it was just... That's what I want for, for me and my career, you know, and, and F1, we all fight and work for our careers and we all fight for the same piece of tarmac. Look, while we're talking Germans, can I ask you about what's happened to the German racing drivers in Formula One? When you first came in, in 2010, yeah. there were seven Germans on the grid. You are yeah, now yeah. the only one. Yeah. What's happened? I'm, I'm like the uh, exotic guy <laughs> now here. Well, what's happened? Why? Why the drop-off? I guess, well, some guys retired, uh, obviously, um, and, and stopped. I guess it comes in, in, in swings, and naturally some time or decades, some nationalities have loads of drivers, and then it sometimes tails off too. I think we've seen that with, with French nationality before. And in Germany, I don't know, I feel obviously the... the effect from Michael being, uh, you know, successful the first times in the 90s that obviously, you know, brought racing and F1 on the map in Germany very much. And then, you know, a lot of kids came out of there, which was, you know, that time probably 2010 to, or even earlier than 2010 until just very recently. You know, in 2020, we were at the Nürburgring. I'm so pleased you've mentioned the Nürburgring 2020, because I did want to ask you about that race. Just for the listeners who don't remember, Nico was having... You're going to have to coffee. tell me if I'm wrong. You were having coffee, weren't you, in Cologne, I think, with a mate or something? Yeah, just at a mate's place at home because I was due to uh, do TV that Saturday and Sunday for RTL. From, oh, so from you were coming to the track? No, no, from the studio. Okay. Yeah. From the studio, from the headquarters of, of RTL in Cologne. Yeah, it was 10 a.m. <laughs> 10 a.m. in the morning-ish when, when Otmar rang me and said, where are you? Can you come to the track? We need you. And we need uh, you to replace Lance Stroll. I mean, replace, yeah, yeah, that was the ultimate super sub moment, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think that's hard to beat, to be, you know, more crazy, more short notice than that. So unexpected. And even, you know, after the, uh, my call, the first call, and I put the telephone down and I'm, I said to my mate, I'm not sure this is a prank. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure he's for real. And then he called a minute later again because maybe he felt that I was not taking him seriously and he said you know are you on the way uh, you know this is for real like, oh okay yeah <laughs> i'm coming and uh, jumped into my car and set a new record from cologne city center to the track and the rest is history <laughs> i mean just logistics right helmet overalls yeah well that was all that was kind of all there it I was think, already there well, you didn't have to rush home and no, no no i didn't have to rush home i think i raced though with this ye yellow helmet with the helmet that was absolutely not matching with the you know, with the pink uh, racing point, what it what it looked like back then, and uh, even suit. I don't know. Maybe they had one by then for me, or I was using lances again. It was, you know, it was improvised a little bit. It was a mad moment. 
while we're talking about Racing Point and, and Force India, how does the vibe of that team compare to what you have at Haas? Are there similarities, small, punching above your weight? I feel every team, you know, there, there is similarities. Obviously, when I was at what is now Aston Martin for many years was Force India. And then obviously became Aston Martin recently before that racing point. But uh, yeah, last year as a third driver at Aston Martin, obviously it, it became a much bigger operation, a much bigger team, you know, a, a global car manufacturer that, you know, is very serious about business, pushing forward, recruiting a lot of people, investing huge in, in infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, now it has, it feels a lot more, you know, like a smaller private team. You, you definitely clearly feel and see the difference there. Yeah, it's more probably back to that feeling that I had in Force India days. VJ, underdogs. Or, although, do you think the cost cap and the new regulations have slightly done away with that feeling of being an underdog, being on the back foot? Do you feel there's more equality now in Formula One? Yeah, and I think I don't see that there is not one, you know, backmarker we used to call them. There is not one team that is always at the back. You know, the midfield, it's like one giant midfield now from like p10 to p20 but we're all very close and uh, i think i don't know now if i'm right but it feels like every time there's someone else at the back one weekend it could be this team one weekend it could be that team so it's it's uh, changed a little bit definitely under the budget cap and within your team you're obviously pushing hard to develop this car and to get rid of the the tire issues primarily that you've you've struggled with all year how does it work between teammates in terms of are you and Kevin Magnussen wanting the same thing or how do you persuade the design team in Maranello to follow more what you want than what Kevin wants or am I being, is that too simplistic of you? Yeah, I think that's too too simplistic that view. I think we want actually the the same things. Obviously we, you know, work a lot in the debriefs, you know, and give our view and, and feedback and, and tell them, you know, where the problems are and, and what we need from the car. And then even in between races, you know, there's there's further meetings that involve us. Yeah, we can tell them what we want, but it's really the designers, aerodynamic guys, you know, that need to come up with, with the answers and with the solutions. And uh, yeah, that's what we, where we're pushing right now, where the focus is. And if you can solve that, is this car good enough to fight regularly for points? I would like to think so. It's difficult, you know, to predict that and, and, and to guarantee. There is no guarantees in F1. But we, we, we've seen, you know, that uh, we've been in the points a few times this year. But I believe so if we, you know, improve a little bit. Um, well, not a little bit. We need to improve a good chunk. And I think then we'll be able to, to challenge for points consistently. Because, yeah, that midfield is very tight, very close as well. So every little um, has a big, big impact and change at the end. But, Nico, look at the Q3 appearances you've made this year. There is inherent pace in this car, obviously, because you're able to do that. <laughs> yeah, but quality is, is different. Quality, you know, new tires, they are very powerful. They give soft tires, new tires, they give a lot of grip over one lap and they kind of, they mask the, the problems, the car issues and balance issues that we have. So, you know, for, for those, like, let's say 90 seconds that a lap is, a new tire can really hide that quite well. But then lap two, lap three, and even later in the stint, you know, like you've said earlier, touched on, is where the problems are and where we overuse the tire and, and where the characteristic is, is not quite where we want it. So that's the, that's the challenge. You know, that's um, our mission now to improve that. Tell us a little bit more about your relationship. Absolutely not. <laughs> your no, relationship no, no. with Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> It's good. It's very is good. It good? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's good. It's healthy. It's, it's, it's real. 
all the you what know, do you mean by that real? all the the old Shmeh from 2017 hungary i 17 it, it's way past us it's actually since last year we started to have um, a good relationship so bahrain last year you know sunday morning drivers turn up on the grid do the beginning of year photo with everyone and i will obviously i stood in for sep and um i think kevin was first guy standing there and he was on, on the little podium and my designated spot was right in front of him so approached him and then reached out my hand and gave him his exact words <laughs> into his face and <laughs> I, he found that quite funny and amusing and uh, you know we kind of started to have a relationship from there uh, started talking more and um yes yeah, no no hard feelings actually i think we're we're in a very similar positions and a lot of parallels we both had a you know time away from f1 came back we both have um family now we both you know aged a few years so it's all good all right but you rub along together okay both professionally and and off track yeah as well. yeah no absolutely yeah yeah there there's zero tension or friction between us how quick is kevin answer me that because in, in the eight dry qualifyings he's that quick had, but i'm quicker <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say in the eight dry qualifyings <laughs> we've had so far this year you're six to ahead um yeah i mean pfft. You know, we're we're all we're in F one. Everyone is fast, but you know, it's so small margins, and the the smallest you know difference can have a, a huge impact on on the outcome. And um, beginning of the year, I got a little bit better start with the car. I felt more confident, faster than him in the car. Then he gained some momentum. You know, but then the momentum came back. But I I feel in quality, you know, over one lap, I'm I feel very confident and strong right now because it it's, gives the car gives me what I need. And uh, I'm able to execute it pretty cleanly and well. And um, yeah, I think then also, if that's the case, if I have that feeling, I think I'm also not the easiest guy to beat over a lap. As you say, uh, you're both at similar stages in life, similar ages. Okay, you've got a few years on, Kevin, but same sort of thing going on at home. Do you enjoy the role of the elder statesman in Formula One, if you like, when you look at Oscar Piastri's 22, Yuki Tsunoda's 23. Well, if I enjoy that, I, to be honest, I don't, um, I don't feel that way. I see that, you know, these are younger and, and they're a bit like, you know, the young kids from the, around the block. There is definitely a difference, but in terms of feeling, it doesn't trigger anything uh, inside of me. Wind the clock back to 2010 when you first came in. Do you feel that the older guys then treated you well, is the vibe among the drivers different now? I mean, when I came in and, you know, we had a lot of experienced guys. There was Michael, there was Rubens, there was Truly. There, were, there was a lot of guys, you know, with, with 200 plus Grand Prix uh, under their belt. But they treated me fair, nice. They had respect. You know, I think in F1 is, is not really the case. You know, all the drivers have respect for each other and amongst each other. I think maybe you might not like one guy as much as the other guy, but there's always mutual respect for, for what we do and for ourselves. Has the intensity among you changed? I mean, I just, just recently, Max Verstappen, George Russell, Lando Norris and Alex Albon were all playing paddle together in Monaco. There's lots of golf. Yeah, beautiful, right? <laughs> There's lots of golf foursomes. It seems that everyone gets along now Whereas I certainly remember when I came into Formula One 25, 30 years ago, I felt there was maybe animosity is too strong a word. but More rivalries. Or yeah, I felt that. Whereas now I feel everyone seems to rub along pretty well. Is that, would you agree with that? I think everyone rubs along pretty well. You know, with the occasional, you know, issue when something happens on track and, you know, things 
get a bit bit heated between drivers. But compared to start of my career, I, I don't think it's very different. Maybe slightly. I think also nowadays, back in the day, you know, social media wasn't such such a thing. You you wouldn't have had those pictures of guys playing pedal. Now everything is much more out there, much more visible, much more pushed or celebrated or, or whatever. But that was obviously also a big difference back in the day. Just while we're talking about other drivers, Nico, can I get your thoughts on the job that Max Verstappen is doing this year? It's phenomenal. He's just delivering regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the, the track, the time of day, whether it rains, it snows, it's 40 degrees. He's just always there. And you know how good Checo Perez is because you were teammates for yeah, years. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, yeah, Max, is he's killing it this year. There's no way around it. I think uh, beginning of the season, he started strong, but then, you know, he needed to groove in. And, and since he grooved in and, you know, he's full of confidence. And he just, uh, like I said, regardless of, of the circumstances, he's just always able to, to get 100% out of his package and himself. And it's very impressive. Right, let's move off track. Let's discover your family. My, um, uh, my mental status mental health well, just your, your your rock right your 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 <laughs> wife uh, your daughter just how has a happy home life made you a better driver or has it <laughs> uh, well it's certainly given a lot of you know stability and yeah you have that port you know you come home and there is there is more than in the past, you know, at least uh, I can only speak for myself now, but, you know, now when you come home, like you said, you know, it's very settled, it's, you know, a married life and it's it's all good, it's happy. And in the past, you know, it's it's not always been like that. It's been sometimes more up, more down, more rocky or alone. But like I said, I just feel I'm happy where I stand with everything that I have at the moment and it's, it's very balanced and... Uh, yeah, just good. And does your wife, Egil, does she understand the pressures? Yeah, yeah, she does, actually. she. Um, wow, we've been like together eight years now. If she wouldn't understand by now, that would be pretty <laughs> sad. <laughs> she, she, she gets it. And, and has, your, has your daughter, Naomi Sky, changed you in any way? Are you softer? I don't think so. I would say no. Other people would maybe say different, but I believe, you know, as a race driver... When you put the helmet on, when the visor goes down, you, you, yeah, you, you just forget things around you. You know, you just live in, in, in that moment, in the present, and you want to do the job. And uh, for me, yeah, hand on heart, I don't think it has changed my approach or my feeling or my fears in the car in any way. Are you a hands-on dad? Do you change, change nappies, middle of the night? Yeah, I did. I did a few times, and then a few times I did them the wrong way around, so I would not have <laughs> to do that so much anymore. Would you like to have a big family? Have you thought about that with Egil? Not sure. I think for now we're, we're good. We're happy <laughs> with where we are. I'd like to focus a bit more, you know, uh, on on the career now, on what's ahead, because it is uh, it is intense as well. As much as I love it and enjoy it, but it is a, intense too. So I think for the moment we keep it we keep it steady. And and do they help you relax away from the racetrack? Well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Noemi can be pretty demanding you know and challenging too and she's pretty strong-willed and hot-headed sometimes gets that off her mom or her dad i'm not sure actually <laughs> probably a mixture of both but uh you know the, the relaxing side of things is, is not bad at all and you know i feel 
you know, as a driver, it's it's a lot of races, but we, we still have time in between. You know, um, we, we usually come last. We're one of the first people to leave the track, so we can't uh, complain about that. But Nico, you said earlier that your time away gave you perspective on Formula One. So when you walk back into that family environment at home, good weekend, bad weekend, does it just help you move on from Formula One? As Rubens said to me once, he said, my kids didn't care whether I'd had a good day or a bad day. They just wanted me to play with them. Absolutely. Well, that's how it is. And, you know, it just, yeah, it, it gives you something, obviously, in... I think it helps, in a, especially in bad moments when you come back and, you know, you, you take the little one, you just, you know, forget at least for some moments that you've had a bad weekend, you know, and, and it's just all good. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice feeling. It's new to me as well, or obviously since the beginning of the season that I've done racing in F1 as a dad. So that was new, but it's certainly um, a, nice, a nice feeling. And how's the big man, your Pomeranian? Zeus, uh, yeah, your dog. <laughs> he's uh, he's still very good. He's yeah, he's he's great. When you were last on the show, he was a puppy. What kind of a grown up? I mean, when I say grown up, how big is he? For people well, who don't know, he's what a Pomeranian. Pomeranian. They 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 you know they don't get that big. <laughs> but he's a. I would say he's a big guy. He's a heavy boned. You know, he's more than four kilos. He's more on on the heavy side for a pom pom. <laughs> and is he good with Naomi? Yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, it depends. Naomi can you know sometimes she's not so nice, so he. He doesn't bite her, but you know he tells her, "Hey, he snaps and like warns her, leave me alone." But uh, no, no, they get along well too. Now, what about the Mexican Grand Prix this year? It's a milestone, apparently. It is a milestone, and we like to deal in round numbers. I mean, two hundred races—that'll be. That's a hell of a number. Yeah. What is the secret, Hulk, to your longevity? Consistency, performance, <laughs> I don't know, you name it. But yeah, 200 Grand Prix, you know, there's, I think, I don't know the number now, but there's not so many people on the planet that have done that. It's definitely, you know, an achievement uh, for me to, to, have, um, to have done that, you know, as a non-Grand Prix winner. So very happy to, to break through the, the 200 there. And have you had any thoughts as to how much longer you want to keep going? Lewis Hamilton at Monza announced that he's going to do another two years. That takes him to 40. Fernando Alonso is still delivering at 42. Yeah, right now I can see myself also racing for another couple of years. I don't have the crystal balls, you know, I don't have all the answers. Obviously, as long as I enjoy it and have the feeling that I have right now, I can imagine to continue as long as I get a job, as long as I can get a contract, you know. We're in a... We're in a performance business, and if my performance wouldn't be good enough anymore, I, you know, I would soon run out of a job. But uh, let's let's see how things go. Do you think you lose your talent, or do you just lose the motivation? No, you don't. I don't think you lose the talent, but maybe not motivation. But you know, obviously, with age, certain things become maybe not as not as good, not as dynamic reflexes or whatever. But I think. Then you have the cases of, of Fernando and Luis that demonstrate it's you know it's still very doable, very possible. Every human is different, but I think yeah, it's it's a matter of if you feel the passion still, if you feel the desire, and if you're happy and ready to put in the work, and you have the talent, then you can go a long, long time in F1. And physically, are you still pushing out the same stats that you were 15 years ago? No, even better now. I think now my my fitness stats are better than 
let's say, in the first stint of my career. Why? Are you doing something different or...? Yeah, I think I've also adjusted a few things. Experience helps as well. But uh, especially this, you know, winter, I've, I've, you know, taken very seriously and really invested a lot on the fitness side for the comeback because I, I knew, you know, in the past what my problems were and, and where, you know, I needed maybe to be better. And uh, yeah, like I said, taking that very seriously and, and really put in the work to be, to be in, in, in great physical but, shape. Oh, put some flesh on that. Are you stronger do you run a marathon faster? I remember you did a earlier in the year, didn't you do a 10K? A, ten, or a, a 10K run, yeah. That was always the my, my personal challenge, you know, to run 10K below 40 minutes. And did you tick that box I that tick, day? I can't, yeah, I ticked <laughs> that box. I've not done that before. Uh, I've been close before, but that they was... They do say that, that endurance is cumulative, don't they? So, you know, the endurance runners hit their peak in their mid to late 30s sometimes. Yeah, but endurance is later, later. 10K is not endurance, is it? Endurance would be from well, 20 Depends who you're talking plus. to, right? <laughs> yeah, no, but I, so, I, yeah, I run faster, the same distance. And in the gym, I would say I, you know, I can do more reps, more, more hit training, uh, you know, just stronger. Now, for people who are scrolling the internet thinking crikey nico has done 200 races can i ask you for your favorite race so far out of those 200 Oui. there's one that i've got very clearly in my mind oh yeah go ahead shall i go first go first yeah well i'm gonna go brazil 2010 the pole going to yeah, eighth that was, place that was quality that was not a race yeah but eight, but it was a great race as well yeah, okay, but you said race. You can't well, weekend, race weekend. Okay, just don't pick holes in my question <laughs> like that. I just thought that weekend, Hulk, yeah. was the moment that you really arrived. You'd had a phenomenal junior career. We'd all seen it. But yeah. then you, in those changing conditions in qualifying, you got the job done. A lot of people, a lot of the, you know, the champions were going, oh, my goodness, who is this guy? And then you actually delivered on Sunday in yeah. an uncompetitive yeah, car. No, so that, that one stands out for me. What about you? You can't say the same one. No, no, you, you're right. And also the circumstances, it was, you know, I kind of knew I was out of a, of a, out of a drive. It was mentally not the easiest time that, that end period, uh, 2010. For me, um, actually, I just watched it by coincidence the other day back, was 2013 Korea. In, in Sauber, with Sauber, it was a... That was a great year for you, actually. That whole 2013. Well, yes but why no. Korea? What yes were you no. doing at home? I thought you might be watching Barbie with the family or something. No, children, we're going to sit down <laughs> and watch the, the 2013 Korean and no, Grand Prix. No, no, sleeps a lot, so I have time to watch, <laughs> to watch old stuff. Um, but that race I can't was remember. Where did you finish that race? Fourth, but it was the, the way uh, Just I drove and I kept Luis and Fernando at bay for, I don't know, half of the race. And um, yeah, it was a, a very strong drive from my side. Really, you know, liked that track, like how, how I drove there. 2012 Brazil was also one of them you know that was a real big missed opportunity there I should have been a bit more patient you know that could have been a a big payday <laughs> but Belgium uh, 2012 as well Belgium 2012 fourth fourth it all that all seems too long ago there must <laughs> be, <laughs> there, there must be some are there some a bit more well, can we say what about <laughs> Australia 2023 that was a great race all right that was, that was fun too it was just shame that it was red flagged at the end again. Yeah. You've done a beautiful segue into what I wanted to talk to you about next because you mentioned Sauber 2013. And I did want to ask, of course, your immediate future is with Haas. Good luck with that. But Audi 2026, obviously they have bought Sauber, the, the Hinville factory. They are now run by Andreas Seidel, with whom you won Le Mans. 
back in 2015. I feel the stars are aligning. What do you think of that project? Would you be interested? I feel you have uh, your imagination is burning through with you right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, one of the very um, attractive projects right now and prospects for, you know, a new brand coming into F1. Very exciting. Uh, a German manufacturer as well. Uh, people, you know, that I've worked with and, and done really well before. Yeah, it all sounds really nice and good on paper. Obviously, I need to, you know, put in the good work, keep driving convincing drives to, to maybe have a shot there. But only time will tell. We will watch that space. But looking outside of Formula One, do you have any motorsport goals beyond this paddock? You know, you've won Le Mans, great victory. IndyCar, for example. Yeah, no, I mean, that was on the table. I think 2021, two, two, you tested two, for the McLaren IndyCar Yeah, team. exactly. So that was on the table. Um, I've kind of tried that, but came away with the feeling and the conclusion it, it's not for me, you know, for various reasons. Um, so Didn't like the cars or don't like ovals? I think it's more ovals that are, you know, the issue, the problem. that just Because uh, you, you worry that you won't be fast on an oval? Yeah, no, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously a very different, you know, thing. Uh, an oval to to a normal you know street circuit or, or normal racetrack, but uh, yeah, it was it was just a, a feeling that you know that wasn't the, the meant to be in the right path, and you know a year later I'm back here, so I think it, it the feeling was right. The feeling was right, yeah. What about Dakar? Would that interest you? Maybe, maybe yes. You know, I've learned here never say never. You know, and and things change. I don't know in five years time. Maybe I will like something else. Maybe I like Dakar. Maybe I, I love uh, e racing by then. You know, who knows. For now, I'm I'm very happy and, you know, just focused on F1. What's after that for me? I have no idea. Well, outside of motorsport, are you involved in other sports, other businesses? Are you, you know, Valtteri seems to be casting the net far and wide it's at nice the minute. how you always, you, you, build, you build, you make a question and you give me the examples already of <laughs> possible answers and stuff. <laughs> well, I like well, it, Tom. <laughs> make it nice and easy for me. Thank you. Are you involved in other businesses? I, I have. Are other. you interested? Are you a businessman? Yeah, I would say I have other stuff going on outside of F1 that I learned also relatively early. And I've always, I think, had, you know, an, an interest and an appetite to do other things uh, business-wise, you know, uh, outside of F1 and, and away from racing, you know, to to also build like a, a second leg, you know, if racing doesn't go well or doesn't continue forever, you know, you want to be doing something else. We all need a purpose, and there's some other things that I'm that I'm passionate about. Real estate, you know, I, I love real estate stuff and and doing projects there. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a petrol head, so I love my cars too. And Have you uh, still got your collection of vintage Porsches. Collection is a big word. I, I would say you got one vintage Porsche. <laughs> yeah. Come on, can you share what it is? Yeah, it's a 993 uh, Carrera 2S. Beautiful car. Yeah. How often do you drive it? A few times a year, but you know, it's not it's not long distance stuff. It's more short distance stuff. But it's this, these cars, you know, they're not to just drive. They're also just you know to look at. Yeah, the beauty. To sometimes just sit in, listen, <laughs> listen music inside of them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just appreciate and enjoy them. And are you still playing a lot of tennis? Just yeah, recently a bit less, but I'm still a big tennis follower and and you know fan. I, I watch like right now the, the Australian uh, not Australian the U.S. Open are on, which gives me always something to watch at night, which I love <laughs> watching all the different uh, matches. So I follow I follow the tennis uh, tour quite a bit and enjoy watching. Why are you not playing as much tennis these days? Yeah, I don't know. Just since um, since I race again, and then we with with Noemi somehow. 
I guess time is a little tighter and a little bit less time to do all the same things. I still play occasionally, but not as much uh, as I used to be, I would say. Have you embraced paddle? Yeah, I tried to paddle a few times, but it's, it's not for me. It's, uh, it's not physical enough. It's, all, it's, well, it's a group sport as well. It's with four. I, I, I just want man versus man <laughs> in tennis, you know, an honest fight. Well, I find that for a lot of tennis people, paddle is a swear word almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit, yeah. You know? <laughs> Actually, it's interesting you talk about the rivalry in tennis. Are there parallels between the mental demands in tennis and motorsport? Yeah, I think so. Not in, in not just in tennis and F one in many sports, but in tennis individual also, sports. Would yeah, in, in tennis obviously the the pressure always you know is is immense. Sometimes you are very screened, you are very visible. You know your every move is seen on TV and analyzed by by experts, by your own team. I find there also always if you play in, in these huge arenas, you know, and you have I don't know fifteen thousand people or how, how many, you know, it's, it's pretty. I imagine quite intimidating. We are kind of you know hidden away, we are incognito, nobody sees us, you know, we just do our work, but we're invisible. And that's quite a, you know, big difference to, to tennis there, I feel. It's, uh, I imagine it's not easy that. I guess you get used to it, but to begin with, to play in front of people, not easy. Who really impresses you on the tennis circuit at the minute? At the minute, I still, I mean, I always love watching uh, Sir Andy Murray. <laughs> he's, you know, he's uh, obviously, he has been more successful but he's, you know, he's he's gone through a lot there. But he's just such is that what impresses you? He's the bionic man with the new hips and the yeah, new everything. He's just such a warrior. He just never gives up, and his style and his attitude, and he just cracks me up. But he's just such a <laughs> such a legend. I, I really like him. And what about the new kid on the block, Carlos Alcaraz? Carlos, yeah, I mean, a very yeah, very impressive. Also, you know, so powerful, so strong and, and dynamic. Yeah, it feels like you know the the new the new younger or other version of, of Rafa Nadal all over again. Mm. Well, and Djokovic said after Wimbledon, didn't he, that he said, it's as if Carlos has taken the best bits of me, of Rafa and of uh, Roger. Roger Federer yeah, yeah, yeah. and put them into one body. And yeah, yeah. that is the man that we're having to play now. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's an extraordinary thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Well, Nico, it's been fab to have you back on the show. Really appreciate your time. You wish I could say the same. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> End of the European season, so we, we all start travelling like mad after this. And no doubt, I now know, all the listeners know that you will enjoy that. Planning. I've got my travel all laid out <laughs> and planned. <laughs> Look, best of luck with everything. Thank with you Haas, both at home and with Haas. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Wasn't the Hulk relaxed and candid during that chat? Although he's been on the show before, I felt we still learned a lot about him, especially about his attitude to racing. He sees the bigger picture perhaps better than he did first time around, and that will surely help him in and out of the car. Highlights for me were when he was talking about Kevin Magnussen and Gunter Steiner. Clearly, the relationship between the three of them is very solid which must have been a contributing factor into why Kevin and Nico were re-signed by Haas for 2024. And he painted a lovely picture when describing life at home, marital and paternal bliss. Nico, it was great to catch up again. Many thanks for your time and see you again soon. So what did you listening at home think of our chat? What was your highlight? And what do you think about Nico staying at Haas for 2024 
and maybe even going to Audi in 2026. Let me know through all the usual means. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter, or you can use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. Which brings us on to what you sent in after last week's episode with Fred Vasseur. It was a really interesting chat with Fred, who knows the racing business just so well. Let's start with this from Moldy. Great episode, Tom. Much of what Fred spoke about, we could all use in our day-to-day lives. Fred seems very composed in his approach to tackling a complex and highly scrutinized role in the sport. Well, that's a very good point. Although I wonder just how composed Fred was during Sunday's Italian Grand Prix when Charles and Carlos were racing wheel to wheel. But good to hear from you, Moldy. Thank you. Next, here's Mario La Pergola. Loved the episode. Highlights for me were about culture. One, the need to be consistent with the approach, i.e. less emotional in response to recent results. And two, the philosophy of never assuming that what works today will work tomorrow. I think this is what Ferrari really needs. Well, thanks for the message, Mario. And it's becoming increasingly clear, isn't it, that Fred is doing things differently at Ferrari compared to his predecessor, Mattia Binotto. And what about this from Kestrel Town? I love how cheeky Fred is. That's what Ferrari have been missing all these years. Someone with a dry sense of humour. And hasn't he got a great laugh? Really cheeky. And thanks for the message too, Kestrel. We're going to leave it there for this week for messages, but thank you to everyone who wrote in. Fred is a popular man. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Thank you for listening. We love your company. And I'll be back next week with another great guest from the world of Formula One. And why not give our other Formula One podcasts a listen if you haven't already? The latest episodes of F1 Nation and F1 Explains are both out now. Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 and Audioboom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out. <laughs>